Hello, and welcome to Wellbeings. Hey, this is a podcast where leaders and experts in healthcare use storytelling to shed light on aging, health span, and long-term care. I'm your host, Tyler White. I'm down in the studio. We have a good friend of mine, Scott Petty, here today. Welcome, Scott. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. Scott, I could uh, go on about um, uh, a proper introduction for you, but why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah. Uh, So Scott Petty, and I'm an administrator of a nursing home, and I've uh, done that for five years. Uh, Started in 2015 as an administrator in training. AIT? AIT. Yeah. Yeah. It's taken me all over the place. It took me uh, to... West Phoenix, then it took me down to Tucson. Uh, I spent some time in Prescott, but for the last three years I've been in Mesa. Okay. At Desert Blossom. Desert Blossom. And um, was that something that you foresaw yourself doing as uh, a younger person getting no. into healthcare? No, no, no never. I, I really wanted to be a pilot, uh, but then that didn't work out. And so it, I went to school for supply chain and for business law. And then I worked for an oil company for a little while and that didn't work out. And then I tried healthcare and it's been awesome. What was the process? Did they, were you recruited or did you just think, hey, this is something I'd like to do and you threw your name in the hat? What did you do? I I remember sitting at my desk at the oil company and I had this huge project that I had done and my boss uh, took credit for it and everybody thought he was great because of it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I just couldn't take that. So my brother reached out to me, who is a physical therapist, and uh, he's the one that got me into this and said, hey, you should try out my company for the core values. It was the core values of the company that really got me and, hooked. And, they're, and and I really like your brother. I'll have to have him on here sometime. Um, but the core values, there's, there's an acronym, right? Uh, is, isn't there an acronym? Yeah, so it's, it's CAPLICO. Caplico. Yeah. And what is that? It's a customer second. That's our first core value. Um, Accountability, passion for learning, love one another, intelligent risk taking, celebration and ownership. Customer second. Mm -hmm. Who's first? Employees. Yeah. Interesting. And and what's the rationale there? That seems um, unorthodox. I think uh, it's the most difficult industry I think to be in uh, it's it's high pressure it's a lot of sacrifice it's not for a ton of money um, it's something that you have to be called to it and dedicated towards it and I think it's uh, we're successful in what we do because we really try to give people our employees everything that they need not only to be successful at work but to be successful in life and um, I think that's the, the type of environment that we have lends itself to if you can work really well in a nursing home, you can work really well at home with your friends, um, with others. And I think we inspire people to be better in that regard. I like that. And it, and in a sense, it's kind of the same concept of you can't take care of your family unless you're taking care of yourself first. And uh, in the employee context, if you have an employee who is well taken care of, well informed, well educated, then that employee can give the customer, patient, resident, uh, the best experience possible. 
kind of a trickle down effect. Yep. So tell me how you do that. What do you do to make to put your employees first? Um, we really want to teach them what it is to live our core values, and it's not easy. I think there's a lot of businesses and companies and just today in general, you just want a quick fix. You want a quick um, high. And our core values don't do that. It, they really teach you when you know life has you knocked down, when life has a patient knocked down, when all of these things are against you, how do you get through it? And so um, if we can apply some of these principles to them and they can go through it and experiment with it while you know they're living real life uh, it gives people so much more confidence in themselves and I think that's to me that's what I love about the job yeah the 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 essence of leadership and I I go through fits and spurts with that where I think that um dedicating more time to my employees and and not just in the technical training sense, but in the personal development sense would do so much for, for them, but for the company as well. Um, it, it, it fosters longevity. It, it fosters, um, a feeling of productivity, a feeling of belonging and a sense of community that you don't get when it's just, all about the numbers and all about the bottom line, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are going through hard stuff in their personal life, and uh, I think people try to separate life, uh, you know, work life and and uh, did I say work life? Yeah. Work, so work life and personal life. Yeah. Uh, but oftentimes, when you're a caregiver, when you're working with people, it just you can't you can't separate these lives because there's such a human aspect to what we do. Sure. So, um, you know, my thought is no, you know, bring your family, you know, bring your kids to work, um, have them volunteer, uh, make, you know, make this life a part of your personal life. Because if you can do that, you'll see that uh, wh who you are as a person and your strengths that you have, you can bring that to work. You don't have to hide or you don't have to put on some show for somebody to try to get up the ladder. Authenticity really is apparent. You can tell yeah. when somebody's being disingenuous. Um, wow. So I, 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 I really like that. I like what I'm learning. Um, so give me an example of, of what you might do to put an employee first, say an employee is, um, you know, maybe not, maybe has not committed an unpardonable offense, but is, is at least apparently struggling or having a hard time in some way, shape or form. What do you do to boost that employee? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think when people hear employee first, I think others think of, oh, they must get paid super well. They must have all these perks. They must have time off. They must have all these things. And I would say we're comparable to any other company with pay. We're competitive, time off, pay time off, holidays, all of that. But um, it's, it's growing somebody and helping, the, helping foster them where they can see that they can do hard things and they can do jobs that maybe they didn't think was, they were capable of. So um, I have a social worker. He was uh, an LPN, a licensed practical nurse. 
when I met him three years ago, and he showed some interest in wanting to be a manager, wanting to lead. And he had, he had some qualities, um, a little rough around the edges, but he had what was needed to become a leader. And so a spot opened, and he interviewed for it, and um, he was given the position of social uh, services director and activities director. So I combined these two jobs into one. And um, it, would be, it would be difficult for anybody, but my building is small, and so it worked. And um, helping him with some of the challenges that arose and teaching him some of our core values and what to do in certain situations. You know, what if a, what if a family member is super upset that their mom fell and um, unfortunately got injured? You know, how do I handle that? Well, let's go do it together. Let's, let's walk through this. Um, how do I make sure that I'm advocating for the resident, but also I'm advocating for the building? And how do I mesh those two together? Because I want it to all work. I mean, there's, there's a lot of scenarios that he got into that uh, he would have never had before. He would have never had an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that our company finds humble uh, leaders who want to do well, and we give them an opportunity and we teach them the core values and we teach them principles and we just, we let them go and we let them fail and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. We all fail. Yeah. Um, keep going. What are you going to do about it? Fail forward. Yeah. Fall forward. How are you going to react to your failure? Are you going to yeah. be frustrated? If, yeah. And, and my perspective on this is if you don't fail, um, you're not trying hard enough, you know? The question is, what are you what are you going to learn from that failure, and and in fact, failure probably is a misnomer. It's probably kind of a, a setback, uh, a cha cha, as I've heard it. You know, one uh, one step backward and then two steps forward. Yeah. Um, so 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 that's great. Um, tell me, um, oil industry. Um, pilot and now healthcare along that path certainly you picked up certain skill sets were any of those skill sets translatable into what you do now yes yes I I would say who I am as a person and I think uh, the things that I just naturally gravitate to helped me in those professions but uh, I think they really help me in this one because I deal with people all day long. It's, you're dealing with sick people, you're dealing with broken people, you're dealing with healthy people, you're dealing with employees, you're dealing with vendors. So I think there's a human aspect to gas and oil, uh, to flight, uh, but in this industry, it's, it's more so where <laughs> you get exposed fast Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're dealing with people as much as you do in healthcare, um, I think it toughens you up. I think you realize um, what you need to accomplish and how you need to accomplish it. But um, I, I think you, there's definitely some some characteristics that are interwoven, you yeah. know, in different industries. How have you grown as a person since taking on this role? Uh, I think if you would have known me five years ago. I was a little nervous. I was uh, timid. I, I'm still a little timid. I, I don't. That's about when I met you, probably four or five years ago. Yeah, I've, I've watched. 
I've watched the evolution of Scott Petty. <laughs> yeah. So I had some good leaders that helped me. I mean, um, I, I was always nervous about the future, and now I'm not. And that's something that I didn't have before, but it's because someone allowed me to grow and to fail and taught me the right principles to get through some yeah. of those problems. I think that's very common with young leaders. Um, I know I experienced it, if I can call myself a leader, um, but there, there is this sense of um, imposter syndrome because you've never done it before. And so you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm the guy making the decisions, but I've never been in a position to make these decisions. And so you almost feel a sense of imposterism. But then you do it a few times and you realize that it's not necessarily the execution of the logistics as much as it is the intuition of, of being able to make the right call. And if you have that, that's, that's kind of the genesis of, of uh, fantastic leadership, I would say. And so it sounds like you picked up some of those traits along the way and have continued to. And, and, and now um, I see a different confidence that, that, that would than that which was there four or five years ago. So kudos. Well, I'm lucky. I mean, I'm lucky. Uh, yes, you can definitely call yourself a leader because I look up to you. I look up to all of my coworkers. I look up to people on the floor that are working hard every single day. I just, I feel so lucky to be surrounded by so many good people that it helps me grow. I mean, I never would have thought I would have been on a podcast, but it's cool. I get to look up to you and say, you know, if, if he's trying these cool things, why why, Why can't, can't I? You, you know, you can, you can. Scott. So it's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, a few months from now, you'll be uh, my my competitor in the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> in the podcast, I don't know about that. Um, so tell me, have there been any points in your career where you thought, okay, this isn't for me. I need to pivot. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, don't have any have anything else to tell you other than. It happens all the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, it's at the beginning for sure. Um, it happens every now and then, but at the beginning it was, it was all the time. Okay. And um, with, the, with that doubt creeping in um, and second guessing, there had to be some, some experiences that you uh, endured or went through that reassured or, or validated your decision to stay with it. And knowing you, I suspect that those experiences were experiences in which you um, offered assistance to people, served people, um, although I could be wrong. But um, tell me maybe one or two of those experiences. Yeah. Um one that's coming to mind is I was in Granite Creek in Prescott, mm -hmm. and it was during my administrator in training. And, and was it was Brigham uh, the administrator at that time? Brigham came after after that. Okay. Yeah. So we were we acquired it, and Brett King and I went and ran it until oh, okay. Brigham could take it. Gotcha. Um, so there was a gentleman uh, who I don't remember exactly what his diagnoses were or why he was there. But um, I remember walking into his room and I remember seeing uh, he had, uh, you know, messed all over, the, all over the carpet going into the bathroom. And he felt awful. I mean, he felt so embarrassed. He felt uh, like he had lost his sense of 
being a person because his body was no longer performing. And uh, he, he just kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't make it a big deal. I tried to liven the mood a little bit. I could tell, you know, he was pretty down. And so I got my cleaning supplies and um, I was in my, my sh- long shirt and tie slacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was there cleaning it up for him. And he felt so embarrassed. And uh, I tried not to acknowledge him. I just tried to have different conversations. And that way, you know, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't focus on kind of what was going on. You didn't pull up Billy Madison? No. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the no. cool thing to this do. This is the coolest. Um, but uh, I remember after that, I remember him looking at me and saying, thank you. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't expect, you know, somebody to come in and help me with some of my problems that I'm going through. Well, that's very touching because, you know, a third of us are going to need long-term care. In my mind, there's a 100% chance that I will not need long-term care. And I'm sure everybody believes that. But, um, you know, very few people anticipate being reduced to having those types of accidents, we'll say. Yeah. And, um, yeah. it can I'm sure it can be demoralizing and I'm sure that your um, your presence and your ability to interact with him um, made that much easier on him and and I assume there are no shortage of opportunities in which to do that the trick because um, I have a I have I have a similar um, not a similar job, but I, similarly, I have opportunities in which I can help people. Um, or I can look at those experiences as just like, this is my business, this is what I do, and it can become very mundane, and you know, it's just another case. Um, but it's just a slight tweak. You, know, you just look at, look at the person and remember, this is their first time going through this. I might have done it 3,000, so it feels boring, but this is their first time. So let's, let's act as if it's their first time. And that's just that little bit of attention um, and individualization can make their experience so much better, but also make, I'm speaking for myself, but make my experience so much better too because I can, I can feel fulfilled. Um, getting paid to do a job is one thing, but then part of that part of that job doesn't necess- necessarily require you to have that human interaction interaction and so when you go a step above and beyond and connect with people at a human level um, I think that's the real payday yeah agree? yeah and I it's what's cool is I can apply the core values of my company to what you just said you know um, you know take ownership that the, this is the first time that this person is talking to you um, take accountability in what you're doing, take some pride in it. Um, you know, have a passion for learning about this person and who they are and what they do. Um, you know, and love one another, you know, um, I meant to ask you about that. That, that is a great, uh, trope. It's a great mantra. Um, you know, it's probably the penultimate Christian mantra. Um, how do you put that into practice? Um, you know, I think everybody, well, I can't say everybody, but most people go to work because they want to do a good job. I think uh, people want to be friendly. They want to be kind. But for one reason or another, something is ailing them for the reason why they can't perform like they want to. Or, 
you know, the patients aren't feeling good because they just had knee surgery or they just had their stomach removed or, you know, something. And so I, I truly believe that we have to see people in the light that they should be seen in. And I think if you can do that, it's easy. It's easier. It's yeah. easier to, to, uh, give them a better experience because now you've separated the person to what's driving them to act a certain way. Yeah. Cause you never know what's going on in someone's head. Not too long ago, I had a health scare and, and thank goodness, um, at least I'm, I'm close to a hundred percent sure that it's not what uh, it, it's not serious, but the way the doctor delivered the news to me was, Hey, you have a tumor in your brain and went on to tell me about how they were going to cut it out of my head and all this and all on the same was, visit. Yeah. It was just over the phone, just like nonchalant. And I'm like, and I've known this doctor for a long time when we were friends and he's my doctor and, and I'm like, are, he's like, are there any questions? I'm like, well, no, I, I guess not. But that for the next two hours, there was just pit, just this pit in my stomach, like thinking about my family, thinking about like, this is not how I kind of need my brain for my job. I can't have half a brain. What if something goes wrong? You know, and it's just, I mean, a downward spiral. And, 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 and I imagine in an acute uh, setting, that's how everybody is. I mean, they're just coming to terms with the fact that they might not ever walk again. And they might not ever have. They'll might not ever drive again. They might not ever might not ever have any independence again. They might spend the rest of their lives in your re- in your building, which is now their home, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so uh, I think remembering that has got to be hugely rewarding. Um, what's the uh, what's the long game? Could you do this forever? Be an administrator forever? I think so. It's uh, and I I I say that quickly mm-hmm. because I love the people I work with. Yeah, I love uh, Carl and Clay and Forrest and uh, Brett and Terry and Chandler and all you know everybody, uh, all the administrators. You're very fortunate. I mean, I I know most of those men and all great men. Yeah, very, yeah. very fortunate. Yeah, it's I I feel very fortunate and. That's what, uh, I mean, I work with a great director of nurses and everybody everybody that I deal with at work um, or get to work with, I just, that's what keeps me going is I work with great people. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> one day I drove up to your facility for one reason or another and you were out front putting a plaque up on a flagpole for, I think it was your director of nursing that was retiring? Right? It was an assistant director of nursing, yeah. Okay, yeah. and she'd committed her life to the company, more or less, if I remember correctly. Um, and just to see you out there doing that, um, that, um, that speaks to your character and it speaks to your leadership because you didn't have to do that. You can't, I mean, you have grounds, you're the boss, man. You don't have to be out there in your tie with a screwdriver. (laughs) (laughs) I was lucky. I had Brett King. He's the administrator at Alta Mesa and he had some, some power tools and he knew how to, how to cement that plaque into the, into that cement piece. So I, I'd lucky to have him, but I was just, I was the foreman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that spoke volumes to me, to your character. Um, I I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I I do want to point out that I had a, you know, I had a conversation with you 
just at the outset of COVID, before anybody knew what, well, we probably actually knew the exact, the exact amount of information as we do now, um, but we've just come to terms that, with the fact that we don't really know and, and it changes from day to day. But it, there was a lot of worry back then. And um, I had a conversation with you that really stood out to me and it, in fact was in part the genesis for the podcast idea because I thought, man, that, that conversation really inspired me. And there are certainly everybody has a story like that that could inspire other people because we, we can very easily fall into the trap of work is work, let's compartmentalize it, then go home and then you know go home on an empty tank and uh, be a lazy dad and the lazy husband <laughs> you know it's easy to fall into that trap but but to hear that story of inspiration i can i it, it um not only made me see uh, the value that can be derived from the work experience but that can fill your tank and i'm sure that that just carries over and has a spillover effect into your home life as well which speaks to the employee first concept um but Tell me, um, you don't have to recount the entire conversation, and maybe it wasn't as significant to you as it was to me, but tell me about your COVID experience. Yeah, I, I think we all have our our own COVID experiences, and when we first heard, out, heard about it and first heard of loved ones that have had it. Um, but uh, for me, it was interesting. We were the first nursing home in Arizona to get it, yeah. So this was back March 18th. Yeah. So that this was, you know, you were, everyone was afraid. Yeah. I was afraid because yeah. I was watching the news trying yeah. to figure this thing out. Yeah. You notice I didn't invite you to play golf for like three months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't blame you there. But yeah, so um, March 18th, we had our first patient that had it. And then March 24th, it was confirmed. I mean, it took that long just to realize that we had it because we didn't know. Um, and then, um, you know, subsequently, we were trying to figure out how in the world can we, uh, how in the world can we take care of our patients in a way where our staff won't be afraid, where leadership won't be afraid, where patients won't be afraid of this, but how do we, how do we move forward? And I think I played into the fear a little bit. Um, you know, we had to stop our admissions briefly and, uh, you know, at that time it was very dark. It was deep, dark days. Yes, at, truly. And yeah. I was nervous and I yeah. was afraid. Um, but then I think as we all do, we all learn from others. And so I went over to um, Mission Palms with Clay and I watched Clay the first day when he realized that his facility had acquired COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was on a much larger scale yeah. than what I had. Yeah. And I watched him and he was energetic, enthusiastic, resolute, and I thought to myself, why in the world can't I act that same way? And uh, you can, and you did. Yeah, yeah. And so my brother, uh, he's TJ, is a huge inspiration for me. He has this mantra, it's E plus R equals O. So there's events that happen in our lives. Plus reactions equals outcome. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So how am I going to react to this? And I got to see Clay. And um, from that point on, it was, we're going to beat this thing. We're gonna celebrate when patients beat this thing. We're gonna drive the fear completely out of our facility. And we're gonna start admitting and taking patients from the hospitals. And we uh, were, I don't know if we were the first or second, 
but we were we were right there in admitting and we've we've since admitted and taken care of over 350 covid patients and what is uh so uh, today's date is september 1st i'm not sure when we will release this but as of september 1st what is your um covid count right now it's zero booyah yeah good job dude yeah and um, I don't know if this is something that you want to talk about or not, but how many how many passed away? Um, so out of the 350 that we took care of, 19 passed. That's, and and those 19 have comorbidities. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, these are very, very, very sick people. Yeah. To I begin mean, with, I saw I saw a 101 year old person beat COVID. Wow. You know, and I saw very, very sick people beat COVID. It's a very strange uh, virus. Yeah, I know. I, I obviously can't explain it. If I could, I'd be out explaining that <laughs> yeah. instead of doing this. Right. <laughs> and just take it a day at a time. So, um, I like talking to you, Scott. You have a good, good presence, uh, and I hope that that um, translates uh, uh, to to other listeners. Um, and having a good presence isn't something that just happens um well maybe maybe so there are those that are just blessed with just a just a very easy disposition i don't understand that i have to work very hard to be even just slightly worse than normal so (laughs) um tell me uh and part of the reason why i ask this is the show's name is mindful aging and um it would it could easily be inferred that this is all about the aging process and how to age mindfully um but it's more about uh healthcare professionals um taking care of those who are aging and doing so in a mindful way and i know mindfulness is kind of a buzzword it's kind of a trendy thing um but but it speaks to something. There's a reason it's trendy uh, because it resonates with people and there's truth there. There's something powerful about being present and being aware, um, watching your thoughts and, and, and maybe even adding another, another variable to TJ's equation, 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 um, experience plus pause, uh, plus, react equals outcome. So what do you do in that pause? Um, what do you do for yourself for wellness so that you can be the best Scott you can be so that your team can be the best they can be so that the residents can be the best they can be so that the family members can be the best they can be. There's a big, there's a big spillover effect that happens with you. Yeah. I, um, I think we all battle for time. I think we're all trying to figure life out and try to figure out how we can best allocate our time. I find that uh, when I pray and uh, when I read uh, scripture, uh, that my days go better. And and, uh, it gives me mental relaxation. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it allows me to see with clear eyes. I think a lot of times it's people we we can be blinded by a lot of things. Our thoughts, oftentimes, yeah. blinded by ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. This is never, the intent with this podcast was never to be uh, religious or, you know, 
I mean, I, I had hoped to draw some spiritual elements into it, but you're not the first person who has responded that way. Um, and, you know, uh, b both you and the other guests I had on, w they gave that response, successful, centered, able to uh, be the calm in the middle of the storm. Um, and so there's something powerful to that. Um, powerful indeed. So thanks for sharing that. You bet. Um, thanks so much for your time. It's been a delight to have you on. Uh, before we adjourn, uh, are there any um, words of wisdom that you'd like to impart on people? Any, any, anything else that you do that might be unique to do that to you, or something that you're working on right now as self betterment to keep you in the best shape for uh, all the responsibilities that you have to deal with? Um. I feel like I'm always trying to better myself. Um, sometimes it becomes exhausting, <laughs> uh, but I have a good wife who tells me you're, you're way better than you think you are. But, uh, I think, you know, just being grateful, I think having a grateful attitude solves a lot of problems. It does. Like, uh, you know, ever since I met you, I've tried to be more mindful and tried to pause more and remember the things that you've taught me. And I try to focus on, you know, just being more present and being in the moment. So, I guess gratitude, I think, is my parting word. Thank you. Uh, and that was very humbling. Thanks for the compliment. And I like that you noticed and you're aware that gratitude is its a choice. I mean, it's a gift. You, you kind of choose to be grateful, and then, you're, and then there's this type of grace that happens where the experience of gratitude overwhelms you. Nothing objectively changes. It's all what happens in between the years. And, um, and so choosing to be grateful, I think, is one of the most powerful things that you can do. In fact, so much so that the last week or so, we have a little stuffed animal that it was my stuffed animal when I was a kid. And we sit around as a family at night and we toss it. And whoever catches it has to say something they were grateful for during the day. And we, I don't want to get too far down the... Um, uh, down the science rabbit hole, but but choosing to be grateful, I mean, it actually it actually creates new neurological connections. I mean, your 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 neurons fire, and there's new pathways that are created, and as those pathways are strengthened by making that choice again and again, it's almost like you fall into that good rut because you've carved it out. But it's not going to happen automatically, and I think that's the mistake that some people um, make. They think that gratitude is, oh, I got a gift, thank you, but it's not. It's it's a way of living. And, For sure, yeah, it, it is. It's hard. It's it hard is. sometimes. It is, especially during difficulty. Yeah, when you're cleaning up a mess in front of the restroom, I mean, it's a tough one to be grateful for. Totally. But at the end of the day, that's something that changed your life. You're a better man because of that. So. Gratitude abounds. Yep. All right, brother. Good to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, we'll do it again. Cool. And if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if that's too much, simply tell a friend. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I can't wait to see where this project goes. We have a great lineup of guests in the works, so make sure to keep your eyes open for the next episode. Looking forward to talking to you then.